Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 50 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Braden Farrington, a longtime reliever for the London Majors of the Intercounty Baseball League. And here's what we'll be talking about today. We'll talk about the recent coronavirus news. Life as an independent league ball player and as an influencer on social media. We'll dive into some controversial rapid-fire questions, and we'll even make a prediction at the end of the show on when we could see baseball again. Let's get right into things. Braden, how are you today? I'm very well. It's sunny outside, so can't really complain. Exactly, especially when you're locked indoors. It's nice to see a bit of sunlight shining through. To begin, as we've done the last few episodes of the podcast, we'll get right into the COVID news. We saw the NHL last week announce that a player of the Colorado Avalanche had the virus and got rid of it, but four new members of the Ottawa Senators organization have it. That was announced just a half hour ago at the time of this recording. And we saw that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in the NBA had been cleared. Four Brooklyn Nets have said the same thing. The MLB and MLP, MLBPA signed an agreement as Shane, or came to terms on an agreement, as Shane Davis last week mentioned. Uh, more details have been revealed. So, Braden, I'm not sure if you know what that agreement is all about, but what are your thoughts on it? Um, to be honest, it's, it's going to keep players safe, to be honest with you. Um, everybody is kind of in the same boat right now where – or locked up, I guess, <laughs> not doing a whole lot, unless you're actually physically training outside. Hopefully you're doing that by yourself because social mm-hmm. distancing is always a struggle, especially when <laughs> baseball is a team sport, right? So when, you, when you're with yourself, it's kind of get it kind of gets boring after a while. Yeah, and so one of the so the big things in that agreement are that the arbitration system will be adjusted to consider lessened counting statistics because of the shortened season this year if the season gets canceled or if it's if it's just shortened um luxury tax payrolls will be assessed as well uh, they have sal- they have a salary plan in place and they came up with this this agreement on service time if the season does get completely canceled it still counts as a year of service time meaning guys like Mookie Betts who were expected to be free agents next offseason will still be free agents Braden, what do you think of that uh for hit well for him it, honestly, it's a it's a win win for him just because he kind of gets his name out there in the news to I don't know just basically be himself at this point in time, right? Like basically, it's kind of a well big win situation for him because his last season he put up some big numbers, and now everybody really kind of wants that coveted prize, right, of a player like his stature. Yeah, for sure. And so, what have your thoughts been on Major League Baseball's response to the crisis so far? Honestly, it's good. Um, it sucks for the fans and people don't want to see the game. But, you know, to keep the players safe and keep the fans all safe, I think it's put in a good place. And, you know what, like the Chinese League, they're starting up, I think, on the 11th of April here. So it's there is going to be some sort of baseball with some name you can, you can kind of recognize, but not as household names. But baseball is starting to get back to normal and – North America just has to wait its turn, I guess, and it'll be, it'll be good for the long run. Yeah, for sure. The way the MLB has handled it has been great. All the, all the major sports leagues in North America have handled this the right way, and that should get us on track to seeing baseball and other sports played again on our TVs in stadiums very, very soon. Moving on now, every week we try to give you a different perspective of the game and that, from that of one of our guests. And this week we're lucky enough to have Braden Farrington on the podcast. While having over 1.5 thousand followers on Twitter and almost – and 1.3 thousand, almost 1.4 thousand, sorry, 1.5 thousand on Instagram, 1.4 thousand on Twitter. 
Braden is an influential presence on social media and London's baseball landscape. You can follow him at BFairzy on both platforms. Braden also spent time with the London Majors of the Intercounty Baseball League as a reliever for six seasons, so he'll be sharing his experience both on social media and in the game with us. Thank you again, Braden, for allowing us to do this interview. So you played your first game with the Majors in 2014. You made five appearances that season, including the playoffs. Tell us a little bit about your first year and how you got started with the organization. Ooh, um, so the first my first year, literally, I think this is my first game. I literally walked the bases loaded. <laughs> it wasn't good. Um, and then, you know, just kind of understanding the league and, like, knowing players in it, right? So, basically, mm-hmm. I, I honestly I didn't know what inning it was. It, it might have been the sixth or seventh, and I go in there, walk bases loaded. Yet Lee Delfino walking to the plate. Back of my head, I'm like, damn, he better not put me in the river. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's hit some pretty long bombs in his life. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to not be a part of that. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it worked out. You know, I got out of the inning somehow miraculously. And kind of the rest is history, I'd say. So did you reach out to the majors? Did they reach out to you? How did that work? Um, It was kind of, honestly, it was a weird situation. Um. I was staying home after my freshman year of college. Um, I kind of, I think it was 2013, I stayed home and decided, hey, can I just catch some bullpens, kind of stay in the baseball landscape, right? Because me, I think, I, was, I think I was 18 at the time. I was bored out of my mind, and I didn't know what to do. So, hey, might as well keep playing, right? Yeah. So, went in there, kind of caught some pens, and then I guess – I got got I just got to know the guys pretty well and kind of understand what position I play regularly. So the catching kind of really didn't do too much <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I just showed up right and I started throwing and it was good, you know, and it kind of worked out for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had a, you had a great career with the majors, but you also pitched very well at Fanshawe college. So how did that uh, help you start your post collegiate baseball career? Um. The whole Fanshawe thing, it was uh, it was good to come home um, from being at St. Clair County Community College for a year. Um, it, it, it was different. It was definitely colder than what I was expecting, that's for sure, from being from more playing in the spring to now going into the fall, right? So mm-hmm. instead of showing up when it's really cold and they're playing later on where it warms up, it's literally vice versa. First game of the year, it was like 25 degrees hot, and then the last game, it was like, I'd say minus two. Wow. So, yeah, it's it wasn't it wasn't very fun that way, but it was enjoyable, that's for sure. Yeah, so you've played with many guys over the years in London with the majors or in college at St. Clair, like you said, and at Fanshawe. Uh, are there any one or two guys that you'll always remember as being super fun people to be around and great teammates? Yeah. Um, so when I was at St. Clair, I had a teammate called, well, his name is Paul Fry. He plays for the Baltimore Orioles right now. Um, great dude. You know what? He taught me a lot about the game, just to mentally prepare. And you know what? I kind of took his advice when I was 18 years old, 19, and kind of took it from there. And I was at Fanshawe. You know, I, a couple of my buddies were there, and it was good. You know, I got to kind of relax and enjoy the game again. You know, because yeah, everyone kind of publicizes this game as, very pressure cooked atmosphere and it was good to kind of take a step back and just enjoy it for what it was and really kind of hang out with my buddies and that's just kind of where it was you know like 
former major teammates. You had Mike Ambrose, Sean Rufflinghouse, Carlos Artiega. Um, who else am I missing? <laughs> um, we got Kyle Gormandy. Can't forget about that guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, so you had some you had some great players to to be around throughout your career. But on the baseball side of things, on the diamond, you were a reliever for the most part. You also had the occasional start every once in a while, and you started a little bit at Fanshawe as well. And I'm sure you did at St. Clair College too. Which did you prefer, being a starter or coming out of the bullpen? Actually, my whole collegiate career I was actually a starter. Um, I don't think the stats actually like actually say that, but mm-hmm. I've started majority of my time there. Um, for me personally, I've it's, it's a tough one, you know, because you want to play every day, right? Mm-hmm. But for the whole recovery and all that, I I, I honestly I thoroughly enjoyed starting a lot more just because you can have a lot more mental prep and don't have to worry about scrambling five minutes before you actually have to pitch. So that's, that's kind of where I was at. And you know what? It, it, I filled the position and kind of did the best I can with it. So how important is that mental prep? Because you mentioned that it's easier to start because of the mental preparation, whereas out of the bullpen, you could be called upon by the manager and have five minutes to get yourself uh, game ready and hop out onto the mound in the eighth inning with two guys on and, and nobody out, right? So how important is that mental preparation as a pitcher before you come out onto the, onto the mound? Um, I, I think it's, honestly, it's huge. It's uh, kind of keeps you sane as an athlete. Um, you kind of get to look at the spreadsheets. You get to get to know the players and how they actually perform in different situations. You get to watch them actually play, right? Where, say you're in the bullpen, right? And you're there for maybe 15 pitches at best. You are, every, every bullpen guy, you're not paying attention the whole game. Like, that's just common knowledge like you're not that guy yeah if you are good for you (laughs) but you're not you shouldn't be (laughs) but honestly it's it helps out a lot and when you mentally prepare to be a starter versus the other way you know especially in the lower levels of independent ball it's you don't get as many spreadsheets and charts right you kind of got to go off your gut feeling and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't now, if anyone was at a London Majors game last year or any of the years that you were uh, that you were there, you were visited by a lot of people in the bullpen. People would come come up to you, and we'll talk about your approach with connecting the, connecting the fans. But how important is that fan connection and having people come up to, to come up to talk to you? Uh, I think it's huge, to be honest. I think like if any young players listening, just be okay with talking to people. Like that's just the way life is and um yeah it, it, it can get you through a lot of good times a lot of bad times too which struggling on the mound right so as long as you kind of connect with the people right and people understand you for as a person rather than you say as a as a player right because as a player you can have a completely different mindset and attitude when it comes off the field right where if you're the same person genuine and all that you know people are going to actually kind of stick by your side and I was fortunate enough to when things weren't going right people stuck by me and it was good so shifting over to the social media side of things you're well known in the baseball community in London Ontario what do you think constitutes a good social media approach to connect with fans um being honest to be honest like you can you can have like social media itself it's kind of like whatever you post that's your highlight of that moment 
but if you can kind of keep it kind of keep it real and people can actually attach to what you're saying that's huge because then you can actually have a conversation outside of whatever you're doing right so you get stopped in in public right so hey i saw this post what was it about and then you kind of talk about it and like hey you know what that kind of connected with my life and whatever i was going through and that's kind of where i was at with a lot of the posting during season stuff and you know people are just interested sometimes of what players actually go through on a daily basis so how important is it to you to be able to connect with not only fans, but as, as people on social media, just being able to connect with strangers and tell them a little bit about you and share your stories? How important is that to you? Um, it's, a, it's a fine line, that's for sure. Um, for me personally, if I get to know them in, the, in public, it, yeah, you know, I'll connect with them and see how they're doing, right? But it's kind of weird when you have a, a random dude trying to message another, another person, right? just out of the blue it's kind of i don't know it's, it's a personal thing i think some people pull it off some people really don't um but for myself i think if you have the same kind of interests and in, in life and in whatever you're doing yeah like i'll talk to you about it like i'm not too too afraid i guess to voice my opinion yeah for sure now if you're not a baseball player hockey player if you don't play sports how do you think that that person should grow their brand on social media Ooh. for that honestly just kind of be yourself you know what you within within yourself you're gonna know your limits right and kind of what your general instinct is and i think i think that's what people really on social media need right like especially during this time like you have your mm-hmm. social media influencers but if nobody if no one's getting money to buy stuff they're not gonna buy stuff from you <laughs> so yeah you kind of kind of you have to keep it real now that's my thing and even if that means don't post as much, then don't post as much. That's that's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So we see a lot of people that try to pretend to be someone else or something else on social media. So you're saying that uh, being yourself is, is 100% the best way to grow your brand. Now, people want to have a consistent following on social media, want to, have, want to post consistently to make sure that all their fans are satisfied. You said something that I found really interesting. If you're not feeling it, then don't post. Do you think that helps you grow your brand? I think it does just because your stuff doesn't get watered down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I fell, I, I know I fell victim to that a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes my posts aren't as meaningful as they should be. And I kind of, I don't know, like for me, a guy's kind of understood that lifestyle now. And when I do post, it's going to be something that I'm passionate about. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much again for chatting with us about uh, your your life on social media and in the game. It was it was a real pleasure. So moving on, we're going to have some fun now. I'm going to ask you a controversial question. You have to choose one of the options and explain why you chose it. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Yes. So what is a more satisfying sound? The crack of the bat or a glove making a catch? Glove making a catch. Why? Because every time I hear a crack of the bat, it's usually going over the fence. So that life. <laughs> I can understand that from a pitcher's perspective. <laughs> Moving on, cleats on fresh dirt or a glove making a grab? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with cleats on that one just because it's a nostalgic sound. Yeah, for sure. When you're stepping onto the ball field, you hear your cleats against the, against the dirt. It's a, great, it's a great feeling. It's a great sound to hear. Better baseball drama movie, 42, Moneyball, or Field of Dreams? Jeez. Um, 
Can I pick Never said two? it was going to be easy. You uh, can. I'll, I'll let you pick two. You know I'll what? let you pick two. You know what? Feel the dreams, just because I uh, I recently watched that movie a couple days ago. Yeah. So better baseball, best baseball movie of all time. Rookie of the year, Major League, or The Sandlot. How about a wild card option? Let's hear it. Bull Durham. Really? Really? Why? It's it's a very classic movie that Kevin Costner is in, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. And I think that mm-hmm. that movie kind of hits every aspect of the game what it is now. Interesting, because a lot of people, when they think of a, of a great baseball movie that they really loved growing up, that the Sandlot comes to mind right away. Major League is always a fun one to watch. Um, but Bull Durham does – it is a very good movie. It connects with a lot of people. Now, players, Mike mm-hmm. Trout or Ken, Griff- Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, we heard Alex Rodriguez voice his opinion on this a few weeks ago or a week ago, I think, and he said that that's like choosing between LeBron and Michael Jordan. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Mike Trout or Ken Griffey Jr. debate? Um, so I'm 20, turning 27, so I kind of grew up right at the tail end of Griffey's career. Great career. But we get to watch mm-hmm. Mike Trout in his prime right now. So I'm going to go with Mike Trout. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to go with, too. And, of course, the, the listeners that tune in a lot, I, they know that I'm, I'm 14 years old. I didn't really get to watch Ken Griffey Jr. at all. So I saw, I've seen all of his numbers. I know how, how huge he is and uh, how close he was to being a unanimous Hall of Famer and all that stuff. So clearly he was a very, very good player. But Mike Trout's just phenomenal to watch for me. And I'm sure that any of the older baseball fans that are listening to me right now might have a very different opinion on this very I different would, opinion. Yep. than you would. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I never I never got to see Ken Griffey Jr. play. And Mike Trout, there's just something special about that guy. And he's the face of baseball. We saw, I don't know if you saw Braden, but the MLB for their opening day at home video, they had Mike Trout voice it over. They did, yeah. Um, and I thought that was a great move because a lot of people think of Bryce Harper when they think baseball won Soto, but Mike Trout really is that face of the game. He's the best player in the game by far. So I'm going to go with Mike Trout for this yeah. one as well. Yeah, honestly, it's for me, Mike Trout, and, and especially with like the whole like opening montage of opening day, like he, he knows how to talk. Like he can, he, he just sounds passionate about what he does. He sure does, and he connects really well with fans as well. Now, better aging pitcher. They're aging, but they aren't they aren't wavering on the mound. Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer? That's the top. Justin one. Verlander. Why? Um, I don't know. It, it's just, <laughs> it just something about him, how he, he kind of, res- well, kind of got his career back when he went over to Houston. Aster- mm. Asterisk, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know what? He, he kind of found his groove again and the, the viewer was there. Yeah, for sure. And you know what, with the way Verlander pitches, he's so crafty with the way he works on the mound. He can throw 98 still, but that he doesn't throw it as, as often anymore. Exactly. So he has to be a little more careful with how he uses his pitches. And I think he does a really great job of, of pitching on the mound, not just throwing hard. Scherzer does a great job of it too, but he throws 98, 97 consistently. Yeah, he brings so it. I would go with, I would go with Verlander here for sure. Um, now, current pitchers, younger pitchers. These guys have been Cy Young frontrunners for a lot of their careers. Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom. Battle in New um, York here. I'm gonna go with Garrett Cole just because he shows passion on the mound. He he really gets fired up every when he strikes somebody out. 
Yeah, so I'm going to go with Jacob deGrom. I mean, two straight Cy Youngs, that, that should mean something. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I see the passion from Garrett Cole. DeGrom can get passionate too, but he's playing on the Mets. <laughs> so there's not much passion you can show when the team can be so good, but yet so terrible all the time in New York. Um, I think DeGrom is a little bit better. He can hit the high velocity. Cole pumps it in consistently. I think DeGrom just does a great job on the mound. Um, Derek Jeter, Hall of Famer Ooh. for sure, right? He's in the, I yeah. believe he got inducted this year or voted in Last this year. year. Yeah. Is, is Derek Jeter overrated or is he worth the hype? Oh God. Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, yeah. Honestly, I was just never a fan of him growing up. There was just no style points to him. Like, like, come on. Like you wear elastic bottom pants. Like, <laughs> like seriously uh, well, it's mid 2000s and you're wearing elastic bottom pants figure it out <laughs> he was uh he was a great defender but i mean on the offensive side of things he right. he didn't really post huge huge numbers and i think he had this whole persona around him and that's that's what certainly helped his popularity he was a big big guy for a lot of a lot of young baseball fans he's the captain of new york right everyone loved him yep. I, I, I don't know if the brand is as big as the players' numbers were. Or, sorry, if the players' numbers are as big as the brand here. Because yeah. Jeter, I think, was a gr- good player. I don't know if he's on that ultimate superstar Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Trout, Babe Ruth level sure. that, yeah. like, that people put him, uh, put him on usually. So yep. I agree with you there that he is a little bit overrated. So that was fun. Thanks for playing. If you enjoyed our rapid fire with Farrington segment, make sure to let us know on social media at 211SBT on Instagram, 211BT on Twitter, and 211's Baseball Talk on Facebook. Well, we will end things in this episode with one final question. This can be completely out of nowhere if that's what you choose to do. When do you think Major League Baseball will will return, and will it return this year? Mid-July. Mid-July? Mid-July, and it'll go probably till... Late November, warm weather, sta- warm weather stadiums. Yeah, so you think that there's going to be a neutral destination for the World Series, a neutral stadium for the World Series, um, and for the playoffs, that, that definitely makes sense to me. I think Miami's a great one. I don't think the Miami Marlins are making the playoffs <laughs> this year, no matter how short the season is and whatever that means for teams. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think July is where we're going to start. Now, there was a rumor swirling that uh, they are looking at potentially July 4th as an opening day. I know that Toronto has banned all public events uh, until th- or through June 30th. So it might be a little bit of a tight squeeze there. Um, so you think mid-July, I agree with you there. I think it's going to be right around mid-July. Well, Braden, thank you very much for sitting down with us for today's episode. It was a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you. We can do the- Should we do this again sometime? Oh, heck yeah. No, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We will talk to you all next Thursday. Well, 211's Baseball Talk fans, today is a milestone episode for us as we hit number 50. In total, since August 2018, we've had one special and 50 episodes, including today's. This has been complete with two hiatuses, but nevertheless, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to say hello to you, the listeners, and our guests every Thursday. And I would like to thank my dad, Chris, for the support and joining me on the majority of the podcasts, Brett Wales for his three appearances on the podcast, Scott MacArthur for being a wonderful Guest twice, he'll be on again next week, and mentor to me, Dan Schulman, Mike Wilner, Casey Stern, Shane Davis, and Braden Farrington, who joined me today for their appearances. 
Also, a shout-out to Brent Cardi, who has reached out several times to help with any podcast needs, and has The Cardi Show, which is just phenomenal and available on most podcast platforms. Also, Andrew Buttigieg, who has always offered to help, as well as Noah Smith and Matt Hiscox for their support. They will be featured on the podcast at some point this month. Thank you all, and here's to the next 50.